0: rodney i've been thinking about something lately exercise like okay we don't talk about exercise enough but i just love it like do you ever do something and you just love it and you just want to do it all the time i used to hate exercise did you hated it but i love it i love it oh yeah Uh,
1: i love it what do you do for exercise garden I, it's it changes daily do little uh circuits mm. 30 minute circuits mm-hmm.
0: and some soccer I think that's the basketball. key though do you do? like you got to find what works for you right yeah you, you just got to find what, what, what do you do joy doing i love to lift so i lift and i love do you it. skip leg day no i actually love leg day like day. i don't always love don't. doing leg day but i do love having done leg day
1: That's, man, that's kind of how I feel about workouts. I don't love doing, I don't love working out, but I love
0: having worked out. Yeah, I'm starting to love them, like just being in it. I get my, some daily podcasts done during exercise time too, so it's good. Mm. It's a good time. Exercise.
1: Yes, well, brah.
0: Yo, I'm Rodney. Hey, and I'm Keith, and this is the More In Common podcast. Welcome. Uh, This is a place for genuine, authentic conversation, where we explore the fact that we have more in common than that which divides us.
1: Yeah, it is. Get out to our website, www.moreincommonpod.com to check out all things more in common, and before we jump into taking a look at last episode, we're just going to read a real quick iTunes review from Kim0628 it's really close to my birthday and mine indicating a birthday. Yeah. Uh, the the comment says thoughtful and inspiring. These conversations on this podcast are thoughtful and thought-provoking. Thank you Kim0628. You're thoughtful and thought-provoking
0: and seriously appreciate it really very much so
1: so let's go back and talk about the
0: patrick episode really quickly keith what'd you take away from it um aside from so much um i try to narrow it down as much as i can to the things most most impactful to me since um he tells a story about his friend and his friend wanting to go back to the country from which his parents escaped to build a better life here and the perspectives, um, how Patrick says, I mean, I can see both of them, like they're both right. And I think about the, the six, you know, looking at the six and the nine we talk about in the episode, mm-hmm. and it's just such a great example of how often we can both be right. It, we just need to see the other person's perspective a little bit more clearly. And then just a small one. I love his perspective on millennials because we hear a lot of trash about them. And I think he just brings in a really fun and insightful perspective on, on the positive of the generation. Mm -hmm. How about you? The story he tells about the, the trip
1: that they did to, I think Mexico, maybe Tijuana. I don't remember. Yep. And the student, there's a student who's just doesn't seem like to really want to be there, dropping F-bombs all over the place. And that, that story where he had basically given up on this kid, like this kid was just like, He was just trouble. He didn't want to be there. And I had to manage him. And this kid came back and proved to him that that experience changed his life. And it just goes to show that you don't know what effect you're having on somebody and give everybody a chance. I mean, you know, sometimes they'll prove that they're not worth it, but give everybody a chance. And also something I just learned These are really good shameless plugs for you to go back and listen to the last episode because you're going to want to hear that story in full because Patrick tells it way better than I do. (laughs) (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) Keith, introduce our our guest for today. Yeah, today we have Matt McCabe. Uh, Matt is a technical program manager and a serial entrepreneur with over 18 years of experience in a number of technical fields, as well as founding and growing businesses, He founded Ultimatum, uh, but recently had to close up shop, though. Uh, There is, for a lot of of reasons, but we have a lot to learn from him in that endeavor, and we talk about it a lot in the conversation. So um, we just want to call that out. But uh, Matt has an MS degree in computer information systems uh, from St. Edwards University. He completed a BS in psychology from the University of Texas at Austin and an MA in psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. Pretty well-rounded guy, super ambitious, a lot of insight to share, and we're super excited to have him today. What do, what do we talk about? We talk about radical truth, building a
1: company around values. We talk about the origins of uh, your ultimatum, which is no longer around, so we may have to bring him back to talk about the that whole thing. Um, and and we get, got into what led him to feel that Um, that was his calling and and what he's doing with his life. What strikes you about the conversation? What do you want to tip people off to?
0: Yeah, I think he talks about this and it's unique to his business, but I don't think it is like sometimes when, and this speaks to me and us as we build our enterprise, balancing the company mission that you're setting out to achieve versus personal ideals when they do conflict, because sometimes they will. And he has a very explicit, you know, not explicit, but a very poignant story around that. And it, and it just causes causes one to think, regardless of what you're doing when you're when you macro and your micro conflict. So um, it's a really good conversation. Really enjoyed having Matt on and really hope you enjoy the show.
2: where, I mean, you can still like enjoy your life, you can have fun, you can make money, um, uh, you know, and, and still be a good human being and still help other people. Um, we will honor these values to the point of, uh, going out of business. Mm. So if we can't honor one, if it's a choice between violating one of our core principles or going out of business, we will go out of business. Um, like that's how important those are to us.
1: All right. Here we are, once again, the crew's here, and we are joined by Matthew McCabe or Macabre? Uh McCabe. McCabe. Yep. Got it right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Matthew from uh, Representing Your Ultimatum, joining us here today on this lovely Saturday. Appreciate you uh, taking some time out to talk with us. Yeah, it's good yeah. to meet
2: you. For sure. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, on. So...
0: I am curious. So in your ultimatum, your organization, you have a series of values, um, which I love that you've outlined them for the organization. And it's just something more, more organizations need to think of, especially at startup. One of them is radical transparency and truth. Um, And in it, you say we speak and listen to the truth, especially when it is hard and not when we not what we want to hear. So what are the core elements you implement as a team to allow for that? And when you say, listen to the truth, what does that mean?
2: That is a really good question. So um, I think the truth is uh, whatever is factually true, um, which can also be, Uh, something as like intangible as this is how I'm feeling because how I am feeling is, you know, this thing is true, which is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Hmm. So yeah, what is, what is true is, is really, I guess what what I'm getting at there um, is understanding um, where the other person is coming from, why does they believe what they believe and talking through it in a, uh, it can be in a heated way um, and it can be emotional, but being empathetic and respectful and understanding each other's points of view. And then, you know, if it's a conflict um, coming to some, you know, Conclusion about this is how we're going to move forward, um, and understand you know that it's not going to affect your your uh, you know professional relationship or your friendship, and um, that's yeah. I, it's what mm-hmm. the second part of that in the act of truth
0: or the the question about truth because it's it's something common in our vernacular is I sure. speak the truth. And often it is, I speak my truth, right? Yeah. I only tell it the way it is, but it's, I only tell it the way it is for me. And what that inherently does is it creates this, this dissonance with the other person when it's like, but that's not what I believe, or that's not what I see, or that's not what I feel. So I love the way you frame that up. And, it, and I had a feeling that's where it was going to go, but I, mm-hmm. I think it's just a really, really important topic. When we think about the safe space of conversation, especially in, in heated, like someone else's truth is vehemently their truth. Understanding it is, is something that we have to try to do a better job of. So I love that.
2: Yeah. And and uh, I, I think data and facts are an important part of that conversation. And frankly, can help you uh, help both of you to take a more objective point of view on like you know, uh, if, if it's something, uh, in a work environment, um, where like something went wrong and you, you have to talk through, you know, do a a retrospective or a postmortem and understand what went wrong. Um, and, and just, you know, lay out the facts. I mean, I can feel one way about it. Like, well, I think this is kind of what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. but in the end, my opinion can change based upon what the facts and the data are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I think you can start off a conversation of like, this is where I'm at and this is how I'm feeling about this. Um, and, and every person in the conversation can share that because it's important to understand where you're coming from, but then actually look at the data and look at the facts and then make a rational decision, um, about how you're going to move forward. Um, that's yeah. So, so I think when you do have the facts and the data, it is important to look at them, um, uh, but you know if it's if if it's more of a conversation of like you said something that upset me and hurt my feelings and let's talk about it then you know you, you don't necessarily like the the fact is or the data is you said this thing um and here's how I reacted to it um mm-hmm. so you know it it's a little squishier um but you know, you can still talk about the data and the facts mm-hmm. in, in those kinds of conversations, too. No, it's interesting. That's a, that's a yeah. real
1: cool way to look at that. We, in the last week, I'm pretty sure Keith said the data doesn't matter. And, and not that it doesn't matter, but like, <laughs> no, like in this, like when somebody's in a heated argument or if somebody vehemently believes what they believe, doggedly believes, coming at them with numbers is probably not going to do anything. Um, but what you said there, starting by just stating where I'm coming from, like, I yeah. feel this about this, and and just stating, like, hey, I'm open to hearing your your thoughts on it, but this is where I'm starting from, is, is I think, a way to make the data more palatable. Um, and it's also, at least, I in, mean, classifying experience.
0: the feeling, like yeah. even a person who is vehemently on a track of something, regardless of data like their feeling about it is a data point Like, and and conceptually classifying that as data is a a great way to you know kind of get into the into the prefrontal cortex and think of it logically and and think of this as a rational circumstance of data versus and and to
1: to not ignore it like have, have you i don't i know a few people that are like oh i don't my feelings don't play into it i'm i'm only factual it's like no like everybody has everybody's feelings matter in yeah. how they view things so if you you know just by acknowledging it like and calling it data for those people would probably be helpful like just call it data it's more it's more information yeah, yeah. that's that's dope what about um so your your values like what made you come up with what uh, so what like what in that process made you anchor on creating some values like for the for the company for the organization like what where'd that come from uh
2: i will try to give a shorter answer that that is something i could literally talk for like two hours on um because it's go. it's really rooted in my experiences uh working in tech um so mm. uh i have worked for some companies that have amazing cultures um one of the first companies I worked for was uh, Whole Foods Market. Uh, I worked in the global headquarters in Austin, Texas, and at that time, John Mackey was uh, starting to form his ideas about conscious capitalism um, and you know how to build a great company culture that uh, you know you can, as a company, you can make money be successful and also take care of your employees, uh, take care of, uh, the, your, your customers, um, Mm -hmm. and also, you know, the environment, uh, and your suppliers. So, you know, you, you don't, if you hyper-focus on just your customer, uh, which I'm sure you can think of some companies that do that, you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to create a toxic culture, um, you know, you, you can be the most customer-centric, amazing company out there, but if your employees hate working for you, then you know, in the long run, you're you're probably going to fail. Um, uh, you know, it's it may be hard to see, and you might have a lot of success in the short term, um, you know, but but in the end, you're you're not going to do well as a company.
1: What I hear there is real quick when you say customer-centric. It's interesting because everybody's customer is different. Like if I'm a manager, my customer is my employee. In my opinion, this for me, Rodney speaking. But I I, when I hear a lot of companies say it, they're they're saying my customer, like the one paying us money. So what they're really saying is money is the like the (laughs) right. They're really saying money is the is the key here. It's not really about my customer. It's about the person that's going to pay us.
0: Well, it's like if you're ever in a in a service industry and the restaurant says the customer's always right and like as a server that's the model even if like they're wrong because they can be wrong like people are it creates that that conflict for the employee and it's interesting parallel though both coming from technology like culture values. Like this is something that we have learned through our experience in the technology industry as super important because, uh, because of our opposite experiences, if you will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and it can, it can grow out of control. I mean, to your point, like where you're going right now, probably can grow out of control, but sorry, continue.
2: Yeah. So, um, having seen this, you know, amazing, uh, culture that whole foods built, um, and, uh, n- not that I necessarily buy into this entire theory or philosophy of conscious capitalism. I think mm. parts of it are interesting and, and right. Um, I, uh, I guess I'm a little more like, uh, focused on how do you actually execute that versus like the theory of it. Um, mm. uh, but that's me. Uh, you know, I guess R- that- And
1: R- you say amazing culture at Whole Foods before we go into, cause I want to get into conscious capitalism as well. Sure. But- what is what like, what does that mean? What, or what did it mean for Whole Foods at that time?
2: Um, and yeah, at, at that time, uh, this this was some time ago. Um, and, you know, um, new, new ownership. Yeah, new ownership. exactly. Which I feel really conflicted about. Um, uh, so uh, what what is an amazing culture? So it's it's a culture where the customer feels respected. They feel like they're getting good value um employees uh are happy um you know they're they're paid a living wage they have uh medical benefits um they're able to you know to support themselves to live a healthy life um and work and enjoy what they do um your uh producers so the people you're actually buying from uh feel like you're paying them a reasonable uh, amount for, you know, the products that, that you're purchasing from them. Um, and, you know, you're at least having, uh, a minimal, if not a positive impact on, you know, the, the overall environment. So that can be, you know, our world, uh, in, in like a literal sense of the environment, but it can also be, um, animal welfare or, um, uh, you know, Making sure that you're offering healthy foods to people. Not that everything Whole Foods sells is healthy. Like, just because it's organic doesn't mean it's not junk food, um, which, you know, <laughs> is. Anyway, that's a whole nother topic. Um,
1: wait, wait. So I can't just fill up my cart at Whole Foods with cookies and be healthy?
2: Because they're organic, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's organic wheat. I, and it's just organic sugar. They, there were some like vegan, organic. Amazing cookies at Whole Foods. And um we would share them in the office. Um, and then I realized like one day I found out they have like a thousand calories in them. Yeah. Like yeah. per cookie. And I'm like, yeah. oh my yeah. God. And it's like
1: vegan desserts are usually pretty well, at least in LA, pretty good, pretty good tasting. Yeah. But the sugar content is out of I mean, because Ca- calories aren't just... vegan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 Um, so, so anyway, wait to get back to, to your question, um, I, I think just creating an environment that's positive, supportive of everyone who is a stakeholder, that's really what's key. Um, and, and like in my mind, uh, that is creating a good company culture. Um, and, you know, after I left Whole Foods and, uh, I worked for a few startups, you know, that some had good cultures, some not so much. Um, and, and, and then I worked for Amazon, um, and, you know, frankly, Amazon taught me the antithesis of, you know, what a good company culture is. Um, and, you know, that's when I realized how important it is, um, to take care of, uh, everyone who's a stakeholder. And not just the customers. So when we started Ultimatum, you know, one of the first exercises I did is just, uh, you know, stream of consciousness. Wrote some bullet points of like, this is what is important to me, and the company that I want to build, and these are the things that, if we can't do these things, and it, uh, well, another way to put it is, we will honor these values to the point of. Uh, going out of business. Mm. So if we can't honor one, of if it's a choice between violating one of our core principles or going out of business, we will go out of business. Um, like that's how important those are to us. Um, so uh,
0: yeah, I mean, has that, been, has that principle been tested for you as a founder?
2: Yes. One of the hard, one of the things we, we really struggle with, um, on a daily basis is uh, you know, our, the, the core uh, thing that we're trying to do as a company at ultimatum is to empower people to take positive action on social and political issues. Now the, the central uh, challenge in that is what is positive action?
1: So i was going to ask that yeah. like, I wrote it down right when you said,
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I, I don't know that we really have a good answer to that yet and it's something we're exploring. Um, you know, one thing that we want to do is, uh, you know, turn people's passion for social and political issues into donations to 501c3 nonprofits. Um, and you know, specifically nonprofits that are having a high impact and helping people, um, and having an impact on the issues, um, One of the areas in which we've been really conflicted on is we've actually had political candidates uh, come to us and some of our advisors come to us and say, we really want you to create an ultimatum campaign for this political candidate or for a political party um, or a specific political campaign. Um, And we're, we're just not convinced yet that funneling more money into politics is the right way to solve the problem. Um, I'm not saying it can't be helpful or beneficial in certain circumstances, but, you know, as kind of taken as a whole and at a higher level, we just, we're not sure that that's really going to help solve the problem i mean there's not a lack of money in politics
1: (laughs) and i guess (laughs) the
0: question in politics and maybe i maybe this contributes to that like what like you the question is what is good but what is the good you're trying to solve by contributing to the dnc or the rnc or like what is the good it's a platform like that like i'd be curious like do do you do you Is that part of the conflict or is there an answer
2: there? So, so that's, that's one, that that is one thing that we have struggled with because it's a huge business opportunity, frankly. Um, uh, you know, because there is so much money in politics, that would be a whole new market for us. And, and a lot of, you know, money is, is on the table, um, especially coming into the, the 2020 presidential campaign. Um, but so far, we've decided to to hold off on that. We don't think that funding, um, at, at least funding political parties, is going to help the, solve some of these these core issues that we're facing as a country. Um, I, I would. I'm a little more open to the idea of funding specific political candidates. Um, uh you know and it if you can if a if a candidate has a very clear platform of you know this is what i'm going to do to impact this issue that our customers care about um it may make sense to set up an ultimatum campaign to allow customers to donate to a particular candidate because you know they they have a track record of success on a particular issue and Uh, that Canada is more likely to uh, take action on that issue once they get into office. Um, So there's like a narrow focus where I think it might work and, and uh, still fit within our principles of um, taking positive action. Um, On the positive action thing. So this
1: is something that really caught my attention when we first talked. Yeah. Because a lot of times when people say positive action, they mean you doing the thing that I agree with. Sure. And y- your platform's not about that. You're about uh, enabling people to so to to get behind the causes that they actually care about, whether or not you personally agree with them. Can you talk a little bit about the platform or maybe even the origin of it? Like, How did you get to a place where you're like, even if you're supporting an idea that i am 100% against i'm going to enable you to support that cause like that is a that's a big step for a lot for most people i would say
2: yeah yeah and and in fact we've actually had a number of conversations with folks um who wanted us to specifically just focus on uh left like liberal issues and ideas and the very fact that we will run campaigns that are more right-leaning, um, uh, and benefit nonprofits that might be on another side of an issue has been a deal breaker for them. And that's really unfortunate. Um, wow. So the, the, the story of how we got started is, um, uh, it it was actually my co-founder, uh, Steve's, uh, idea. Um, and how he came up with this idea is he, uh, would drive by a Planned Parenthood in, uh, I believe it was in San Mateo, California, uh, at least a couple times a week. And every time he drove by, there would be these protesters outside um, who were harassing, you know, women going into Planned Parenthood, um, and it, it really upset him uh, because he, you know, he supports Planned Parenthood, he supports uh, you know women's health and women's right to choose. Um, so one day he just got fed up and he stopped the car, parked it, um, and went into Planned Parenthood, donated $20, got a receipt. And then he came out to the protesters and said, because you were here today, I donated $20 to Planned Parenthood. And every day I see you here, you know, harassing women and protesting, um, I'm going to donate $20 to Planned Parenthood. Um, and it wasn't you know, like you shouldn't be here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's not the intent. The intent is I don't have time to stand here and like counter protest or, you know, support women as they're coming into the clinic. So I'm going to directly donate for every day that you're out here. Um, mm-hmm. So so that was what, uh, where this idea of if this then donate came from, um, which is our the, the first feature we built on this platform. So when something happens, either, uh, in the real world or online you can make a small or large donation to a 501c3 nonprofit um and and that's where ultimatum came from. So uh,
1: so like uh for instance if disaster donate to FEMA or something like that.
2: Y- yeah, yeah. And you know we do have some rules set up where we we don't um we, we, we won't build campaigns around, like, death tolls or, um, you know, certain things that are just feel icky and don't feel right. That being said, um, you know, we will uh, build campaigns. For example, we had a a very controversial campaign uh, for uh, balancing two sides of the issue for gun control. Um and uh, well, rather gun violence. So one side of it was focusing on uh, the mental health aspect um, and the other side was focusing on uh, uh, not necessarily restricting access to guns, um, but looking at what the data says about how we can reduce gun violence and being open to all options. Um, So we, we ran this campaign and every time there was a mass shooting, you could donate to one of these nonprofits that supported either the mental health aspect or the uh, uh, gun uh, reform aspect uh, of the issue. Um, and, and it was interesting. We, um, in that particular campaign, we frankly, we, we didn't get a whole lot of traction. Um, and more than anything, we just had people yelling at us because they thought we wanted to take away their guns. You know, they, they, they wouldn't even spend the time to understand what we were doing. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we even tried to engage with them on social media and say, okay, so, you know, you don't think it's a mental health issue. You know, you, uh, support your second amendment rights and, you know, definitely respect that. Um, but what is the solution? And they would just be like, "Oh, there is no solution," and you know, I, you're just trying to take away my guns. Um, so it, you know, after a while, we just ended the campaign because it wasn't, um, it wasn't creating positive change. Um, you know, we wanted to try something a little more controversial um, and try to engage folks and and get them talking about the issue in a reasonable, rational way. Uh, but apparently that is one issue that we just can't have that conversation yet as a country, um, which is unfortunate. Um, so yeah, I mean, to, to get back to your original question, it's, it is hard for us as founders, you know, our, we, we definitely have our own, uh, political views, uh, and, and, you know, how we feel about specific issues, um, and and it's really hard for us to support camp like to create campaigns that might be on another side of an issue. Um, I think what what we try to do is you know in in like I can give you kind of a hypothetical example. In the case of like a really hot uh, issue, abortion, uh, we could uh, you know have one campaign that supports Planned Parenthood, um, and then have another campaign that supports. A nonprofit that helps single women or women, uh, uh, sorry, women who are raising children, uh, on their own without another parent, um, uh, and, and, or choose to give up, give their children, uh, up for adoption. So, you know, you can still do good in, in the sense of like, despite which side of the issue you fall on, um, uh, You know, but you can still take a stand and say, you know, I think abortion is okay and it's a woman woman's rights to right to choose. Or you can say, no, the the right to life is sacred and that's not okay, Um, And still take, you know, what we're calling, quote unquote, positive action in a sense that you're positively impacting the world and making people's lives better.
0: This kind of goes back to the value of truth like and it's and it's an interesting, like as I navigate the the thoughts that come into my mind as you talk about these things, the diametrically opposed positions i mean abortion is the most divisive topic in our country, right, and it's it's basically fifty fifty and if i you started a campaign that said this one's going right to life and this one's going towards planned Parenthood like you're ultimately raising money for what they would see as opposition and fight. But the reality is right to life. thinks They're doing good plant. Parenthood yeah. thinks they're doing good. Their truths mm-hmm. are their truths mm-hmm. and you're not going to change the other one's mind, but I'm trying to promote my truth. and And it's such a fascinating strategy and approach. And, and I, I think it's, it, it's this principle of understanding that other people believe something that just because you don't believe it. And Rodney has this great diagram. We've posted it where two people stand on either side of a six.
2: Hmm. Like oh
0: yeah. One, one person sees a nine, one person sees a six, neither of them. And they're them, both right. And they're both right. <laughs> like yeah. at the exact same time. Right. Yeah. Schrodinger's cat. Right. Like it, both truths are there. Why this approach? Oh. And like, what is it about your experience, your life, your sure, your represent your your perception on things like that brought you to say, "This is what we need to do."
2: Um, I think the, the there are a couple things. One one is that there. The current direction that our country is going, um, and the divisiveness, um, uh, is is not productive. It's it's not helping us actually solve these problems. And we have a lot of problems. Like oftentimes, we can agree that there are problems. We just can't agree on like how to solve them. Um, uh, so this this discourse that we're having online in the real world people yelling at each other because they disagree about something and not truly understanding where that other person is coming from, um, and, and not being willing to sit down and talk through an issue, a hard issue. Um, you know, it's our, our our political system, uh, is fundamentally broken right now. Um, and it, it is not helping our country and it is not helping us come together to solve these problems that we need to solve as a country if we want to survive as the United States of America. So, you know, when Steve came to me with this idea um, I was like, that's really interesting. You know, this is one potential way that we might be able to galvanize people, get them, you know, uh, give them a way to actually take action um, rather than just scream at another person. So, you know, take positive action, say, here's where I stand on an issue and here's what I'm going to do about that. And effectively put your money where your mouth is and, you know, put, put some money into a nonprofit that is working to, uh, to, to make an impact on that issue that you care about. Um, so it's, you know, and, and frankly, we're not, we're not sure this is the actual solution. Um, you know, it is, if this then donate is one feature of our platform, that's how we're looking at it. It's the first one we built because, you know, that was the idea that started the company. That being said, um, you know, we're starting to see that there might be some other areas and ways that we can motivate and excite people to take real action um and and possibly also spur conversations you know similar to what you're doing with with your podcast um so you know we we as a company and as a team at ultimatum um our our goal is to explore different ways that we can empower people to take action and um and, and then try and experiment and be willing to fail and realize, well, that just didn't work. Like, you know, we totally fucked that up. Oops. You know, let's try <laughs> something else. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's OK. And that's what you have to do as a startup.
1: I think a lot of what we're trying to do, Keith said it in the, in the run up, like safe spaces. Like, how do we so yeah. like you're creating a platform for people to take action. Correct. And we're creating a platform to teach people how to have dialogue. And that teach and to demonstrate it through our podcast. But we're creating another platform to teach give tangible tools that people can use to actually have the conversation with somebody that they can't see eye to eye with or they think they can't see eye to eye sure. with.
0: Yeah. And, and I think I, know, I, yeah, the, this we talk about data, right? And this study by moreincommon.com, dot com. Like the actual a different more in common, not the podcast. <laughs> the, actual. <laughs> the actual the actual the different more in common, the study that they did empirically represents what it is that we fundamentally believe and I think observe and what the fringes ultimately do in my opinion is create this, this discomfort that I could talk to 10 people about one issue, have nine conversations that are productive and one that's failed, but I'm so afraid of that one based on the social trolling and the, and you said it there are, politics are, 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 are devastating right now because Democrats and Republicans, that's the life they live. Like this is the life they live as politics and yelling and bickering and being dumb about stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and they use that power and that need for power to manipulate everybody else who really doesn't need to deal with the bickering and the knowledge and all oh, that is that and so we're manipulated by our politicians and our leaders. We're over inundated with media and, and influence and thus we're f- afraid that if we bring it up, that we're gonna be scorned, yelled at, ridiculed. And I just started writing our book and one of the things that dawned on me is, you know, when Rodney and I started in in tech, we used to sit down at lunch and like have these not he and I, but with some other people, yeah. diametrically opposed political conversations. I actually started watching the news at the time, was before iPhones because I wanted to <laughs> contribute to the conversation that they were having at work. But now, like you kind of are like, "So do you want to talk about it?" No, oh, okay, we don't need to no, let's move on to like those conversations are just so fraught with uncertainty. And I just see there's such great opportunity to introduce certainty and try to find a way to ignore those wings. And certainly I want to open to a comment um, from you, Matt, because I just took a little bit of time there. But I do have a question in that. In what you do, because you do work with 501c3s generally are, in a way, right or left, an activist type of organization, do you find that you are your daily reality is surrounded by the fringes in in a way just because of the platform that you've you've picked there you've uh, developed
2: i i think we we have uh you know our our customers are we we definitely have some people who are very far left or very far right um i would say the majority of them are somewhere in the middle um and are just happy that, you know, we, we've provided them with some way to take action on these things that they care about. So um, I think with certain issues, as we've learned the hard way, like with um, gun violence, um, yeah, on certain issues like uh, gun violence, there's definitely it. I I don't know that we can approach that one yet. Um, It's just too polarizing, but there are a lot of opportunities to find ways To engage people and have them take uh, positive action. So, like,
1: it seems, it seems like the challenge is, it's really easy to watch the news, to read a news story, and to complain about it. It's really, (laughs) really really fucking hard to get off your ass and go do something about it. Yeah. Or, or even click, click, and then, oh, I'm going to donate money. Like, there's, there's a couple steps versus, oh, I can just, this guy said, he's a jackass, I can just right on his Facebook wall and tell him what I think about him, and and I've changed the world. Um, it seems like
2: someone on the internet it, is wrong.
1: <laughs> it seems like that's the the challenge, like becoming so accessible and so pervasive and easy to use that it's like, oh yeah, I would rather go do that.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, what, what we are trying to do... Essentially, I think your question boils down to, um, uh, you know, UI and UX. So, mm. you know, how... Yeah. Uh, user interface and user experience. Y- exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, yes, you, you need to build something. You need to build features that are uh, things that people want to use and, you know, understand... They they have to understand it and they have to see it as you know yes this is a way I can take action on the thing I care about um, but but even beyond that it's it becomes a UI UX problem of uh, you know how to make it as easy as possible to log in make a pledge um, and you know and and feel like I've taken action so you know that being said I think we we also have recently taken kind of a step back and said, hmm, if this then donate really resonates with some people, but mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't get it. So, you know, what can we do um, to, like what, what other kinds of features or things can we build on, on our platform that will empower people to take action? Um, and And frankly, and will also allow us to be, you know, eventually be a profitable company and, you know, self-sustaining because um, we're not a nonprofit, we are a company. Um, and that was an intentional decision that we made when we started Ultimatum. Uh, so, yeah, I think a, a lot of it is um, just good design. Um, and that's, that's something we we definitely are working on and need to improve. Uh, but also just talking to your customers and, and, understanding what their needs are and what uh you know how they look at these issues and what they think would be positive action and how to take that yeah. action um yeah. and then you know once once we have that then we can look at okay you know from a technology perspective how can we make that easier for someone so you know how how can we make it easier like if they don't have time to show up at a protest um, you know, what other options could we give them to express their support, um, either for or against a particular protest happening, um, you know, and, and that's kind of the core idea and, and what we do and what we are iterating on in order to build the ultimatum platform.
1: Keith, I know you have a question. I've just one thought popped up yeah. um while you were saying that. Because UI is huge. I also, but then I, Elon Musk popped in my head, <laughs> talking about um, when you when you're trying to sell an electric car, like a new car, into a market that's saturated and people are like they're they're um, what's the word complacent with the options that they have, so they're complacent with complaining about you know politics on facebook yeah you've got to like if 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 they're complacent if their happiness levels at a 5 with the product that they have you have to be an 8 or a 9 exactly. for them to endure the pain or the work it requires to use your thing even if it's super easy even if it's a tesla and it's sexy and it's super nice and i want to drive it like to, to pay that money to go do that i've got to be this much better than, than the current option so that just popped in my head
2: yeah and 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 i would even add to that it it could cost the same price be mm-hmm. a better thing but it's gonna have to be orders orders of magnitude better in order for someone to switch it's um uh, it's it's this whole idea of switching cost um, yeah because uh, uh, I mean
1: people hate change
0: for yeah. like that's why being first to market with anything is often the mo- m- far more valuable than having the best product
2: exactly um and and you know frankly that's one of the reasons uh, that you know, startups, like, it's really important to get something out there, test it, get feedback, iterate. And, um, you know, because yeah, being first to market is great. Um, however, if, you know, you're a company like ultimatum and you're in this, like, we're, we're essentially trying to define a new market and that's yeah. really, really, important. Really you don't really have, to have to do. competition. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we do, but no one is trying, is, is approaching the problem, in the way that we are, or they don't even realize that they're sort of solving this problem, uh, in, in, you know, what they built. Uh, so it's really interesting and, um, it's frankly hard to explain to investors. I think, you know, anyway, like, you know, we can get into that later if you'd like, but I, yeah, I you know, yeah. when you're building a platform and building something like this, um, it's, yeah, it's, it is hard to wrap your head around and we're still doing that ourselves, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what is
0: it? So there's something you said um, pre production time is that your need to help others and make others lives better. Yeah. Is just a thing you believe it's not an attachment to a higher power at least this is maybe i over inferred certain things but uh, certainly correct me um, it just is something you believe so comment on that as one that's how i like i remember it was god it was so long ago back when i certainly didn't have a uh, I, I was i was far more passionate in my arguments but i was i was dating a girl and she um, we were talking about it and she asked me why i wanted to volunteer and i was like i don't know it's just the right thing to do and i want to help I want to help the kids over at the Boys and Girls Club. And she's like, oh, so it's in the name of God. Like, she was super religious, and I didn't realize this until this conversation. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's just because it's the right thing to do. And she's like, no, no, so it's in the name of God. And, like, years later, I have a very different perspective on that conversation than I probably responded to um, in the (laughs) moment. But, like, it's hard to explain to somebody, and I'm very curious like, I, I get what you're saying. I just love it. And where does that come from for you? Like what, wh- wh- where did you, you where did you grow up? You grew up in New Mexico. Like wh- how did sure. that come to fruition for you to bring you where you are? Um,
2: wow. That's, that's a big question. Uh, so I guess in, in, yeah, when I grew up in New Mexico, um, uh, I grew up in a very much a, a middle to like lower middle class family. Um, my mom is a librarian. My dad was an air traffic controller. Uh, what? My, my dad was
1: an air traffic controller. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's, oh, by the way, on the, on the note of similarity, if you don't, didn't look at his LinkedIn profile, Rodney, uh, Matt is a scrum master, but we got table that conversation for, I'm going to, I'm going to let you, I heard him say so,
1: you used some terms earlier, yeah. and I was like, I thought Scrum, but I was like, yeah. I'm gonna let it be. So, yeah. Anyway, um, that, we lo- we love Scrum. Yeah. We love Scrum.
2: <laughs> yeah, we can. We can. My
1: my family scrums.
2: Uh, that's interesting. I would actually like to hear <laughs> that. Hashtag uh, Scrum hard. <laughs> yeah, we can we can uh, geek out on uh, on Scrum later. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, grew up in in New Mexico, uh, and uh went to public schools in Albuquerque um uh and was around you know I, I essentially i was you know a white kid a geek um uh very introverted and you
1: know back back before it was cool to be a geek mm-hmm. like now oh, it's yeah. like trendy but like back when we were growing up it was not cool to be a geek no. we got picked on and beat up and like Did lunch taken and oh
2: yeah oh yeah yeah for sure
1: all that stuff Um,
2: yeah uh and you know i I, well and i just kept playing with computers because i loved it and it was fun um and then it kind of turned into a thing and now it's my job so uh yeah i i had a lot of interesting experiences growing up you know i had a lot of friends who like i had some friends who were real well off um in Albuquerque. And then I had some friends who are extremely poor. Um, and you know, I had friends from different racial backgrounds. Um, and I think that's what informed this idea that, you know, I, I, frankly, a lot of us just got lucky. Like we, you know, and, and I realized I was one of those people, like, despite my, um, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of, uh, hardships and things that I went through personally, um, as a kid and later as a teenager and in college and, and had a lot of things I had to work through. Um, but in the end, like, you know, I have food on the table. I have a roof over my head. I'm not worried about, you know, I, are, are they going to turn off the electricity next month? Are we going to get evicted? You know, is mom going to get deported? Like, these were all real concerns of, you know, some of my friends, uh, growing up. And I I think just having that perspective of, you know, I got lucky and I feel the need to, to take what I have and apply that in a way that will help other people and improve the lives of other people. Um, You know, I guess I'm not sure, you know, you can ask like the five whys and like in the end, I'm just going to be like, you know, it's just (laughs) it's like, you know, I guess it's almost like me saying because God told me to. But that's that's not the case. Um, Well, it's funny you
1: say that because listening to you and then we're listening to Keith's story a second ago, I'm like, it's it's saying the same thing just with different words, (laughs) like lucky, blessed uh, because it's the right thing to do because God told me to do it like.
2: Well, I I think, um, I mean, not that I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, some of these like atheist philosophers, but, um, I think there is something to just being a good human being. And Mm -hmm. if you can live a life where, I mean, you can still like enjoy your life. You can have fun, you can make money, um, Uh, you know, and, and still be a good human being and still help other people. Um, uh, I, yeah, I just, I feel like so many people in our country right now are just focused on themselves and they're selfish. Uh, they just don't give a shit about other people and it's all about them. And it's about, you know, how do I get ahead and how can I succeed? And if that means pushing someone else down in the process, I'm okay with that. And I absolutely reject that. It's, um, um,
0: it, it's this, I don't know if it was in 80s or 90s. I think it probably started in the 80s um, at the influx of people entering the market and really doing day trading. And then all of a sudden, 90s, I always equate the 90s to being like the, the therapy decade um where everybody everybody started to go to therapy and realize that their parents did them wrong and then suddenly the the messages that we hear which is a
1: fact like all parents mess yeah, up yeah
0: exactly <laughs> the messages that we hear are don't um don't look, don't i don't care what anybody thinks i don't care what anybody says i and, and this very self-help personal being existence that, selfies that I think is <laughs> <laughs> that I hashtag. think is powerful, right, for our personal development. But the messaging around it is ignore all of those people, yeah, and ignore everything that's rather than embrace community and uh, like being more of an optimistic positive community base of surrounding and like be yourself, yourself.
1: in that community yeah, yeah. It,
0: it it has become this and thus more and more selfishness and of course mm-hmm. you know we we can talk about capitalism and its influence on on selfishness but that's a different conversation maybe maybe behind.
1: one day Maybe, like, the next
0: decade, we'll tie it all together. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, because now you're in this decade of of social capitalism, like you had mentioned, yeah. and all of these things. And it's like, it's it's interesting to see where it goes. If you don't mind me asking, though. Sure. Um, because you mentioned a couple of things and we, we talk about a lot of stuff on our podcast. Yeah. You had a lot of hardships and things you had to go through. Yeah. Um, with the short time that we have left. Can you dig into that? I'm very curious.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty honest, um, and open about talking about that. Um, uh, so, um, as, as a kid, like I said, I was very introverted, very geeky, um, uh, you know, was, was picked on a lot. Um, uh, and you know, my parents uh, were divorced uh, when I was pretty young. Um, I think I was still in elementary school um, and that was really hard on me. Um, uh, so, you know, there, there were home was not always a uh, a stable environment. Like, yes, we had a house like roof over our head, food on the table. But, you know, there were definitely issues there. Um, uh, and. So, you know, it, that was really hard, um, as, as a kid going through that. Um, also, uh, my, well, let me take a step back. So, so I think partly because of, you know, genetics or, uh, and, or the situation I was in, um, really, I became very deeply depressed as a, as a kid and didn't really realize this until, um, probably like in college, like it finally came to a head of like, I am just like, it doesn't matter what I do. Like I could be doing the most amazing thing in the world. And like, I'm just not enjoying life and I'm not mm-hmm. okay with this. And, um, I, I literally had to take a year off in college and, you know, I worked full time, um, uh, started, uh, you know, getting help just went to a psychiatrist and a psychologist and started working through this stuff. And, um, you know, n- not that it, like, you know, being now I'm fixed, like, you know, timers done, uh, you <laughs> know, it, it's, it's a constant process, but I think until you become aware of, uh, the issues that affect you as a person and, uh, you know, so- sometimes it's just as simple as like chemicals, like your chemicals are literally just off balance, Um, but it does play off of your environment too. Um, so it's important to be aware of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, just dealing with, uh, uh, like the harassment in school with my parents getting divorced with, you know, this like ongoing depression, uh, depression and anxiety, um, uh, you know, and then. You know, other things happen with my family, like both my parents remarried and um uh you know, that that is hard. Even if you have the most perfect mixed family, it's still hard. Like all of a sudden you have right. two new sisters and you know, you're right. a kid and you're like, I have to share a bathroom with these two girls, yeah. like, you know, and anyway, yeah, it's and and by the way, I love them, they're great. Um, you know, but we definitely fought as kids. Like sure, that, sure. That's what you do with your siblings. Um so Um, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of things there that, um, really like, uh, just beat me down as a person. And then I, because of that, I, I really grew a lot and, you know, because I made the conscious decision that I don't want to live my life this way and I want to be not necessarily a different person, but take a different path. Um, and, and also, so I guess it's helped me to be more empathetic you know, when I meet someone who's, uh, uh, you know, come from a background of of having some kind of psychological issue um, uh, or coming from a, a family that, you know, had some issues. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's made me more empathetic. Um, also helped me to understand that, you know, I, I was still born very lucky. Like, and frankly, most people in the U.S. have so much more than everyone else in the world. Like, you know, yeah, I'm sorry, we are like we are the one percent. Like if you live in the US, you are the one percent of the rest of the world. I, I mean maybe it's not one percent, but it's like five percent. Um, so that always pisses off my very yeah, seventy. Seven seven point four
0: billion people on the planet, there are only three hundred and fifty million in the United States, and the vast yeah, majority yeah. of the well, not the vast majority, they'd certainly much of the come, world. but much of the world lives in poverty.
1: Yeah. You mentioned a word, resilience, uh-huh. again, pre-production, <laughs> uh, and you used it in reference to talking to young folks about going through hardship, but then also uh, building a business and like going through failures and continuing through. What is that like? Use the word resilience. So I'm curious as to why and like what it means for you.
2: Yeah. So resilience is to to me. Um, being faced with, you know, potentially numerous challenges, oftentimes multiple challenges all at once, um, which is a whole lot of fun. You know, I'm sure we've, we've all been there. Um, And uh, being able to like, yeah, you're going to have maybe sometimes it's even a day or two of just kind of freaking out. Like, what am I going to do? Like I'm losing my job or who am uh, I? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever the, the, the issue is or the challenge. Um, and that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. And to like, kind of have your moment of freak out and be like, I don't know what, what I'm going to do with my life or how I'm going to get through this. Um, but then, you know, developing the awareness of where you are at personally, um, and, how you're feeling, why you're feeling that way, and and then being able to sort of abstract that away, like abstract the uh, your emotions and your feelings and your background and why you're feeling a certain way from what's actually going on in your life, and then analyzing what's going on in a more rational way and say, okay, here's what's actually happening. And frankly, it's probably not the end of the world, unless it's literally the end of the world. But you know, probably not. Um, and, and and just working through it one step at a time and saying, okay, you know, challenge one has five parts. And, you know, just going through one by one and saying, here's how I'm going to solve each of those those five parts. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really hard to do, especially when multiple things hit at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just something you have to, it, it takes a lot of work. Um, but you have to understand yourself. You have to be able to be objective about what's actually going on uh external to you and then work through the problem uh in, in a rational, methodical way. Um and you know, I think the the resilience part comes from practice, you know, from from doing this multiple times. And and part of this is just you know, age and you know, once you uh get out there in the world after college and you start working and you start uh, having, you know, some different experiences. uh, That's, that's when you'll like, you're going to get beat down multiple times. You're going to be told you're worthless, that what you're working on is, is, you know, not going to lead anywhere. Um, You know, uh, and, and, and it'll be, it could be your parents. It could be um, an investor. It could be, even a partner sometimes. And that's awful, but, you know, that, that does happen. And, um, you, you just gotta keep going and you gotta work through it and, uh, have a process and be ready to meet those challenges, um, and do it over and over and over again. It's really hard, but, you know, anything that you, uh, want to do that has a real impact and is something you're passionate about is going to be really 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 hard. Um, you know, these stories you read about Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, other people who've started these amazing companies and it seems like it just fell on their lap. It's like, well, there's a lot of luck there. But um, you know, that that is like the vast like the vast majority of companies and people just struggle to get where they want to go. Um, and the media just skips all that over and says you know oh it's just it's easy you just do a thing you build a company and like you know you'll make billions of dollars and it's like no that's that's not how and
0: and even then zuckerberg still had to put in a ton of time hours and effort to make make what was i mean especially pre-public days when you know, it was only for universities, and you had to go to university after university and build the partnerships and you know whatever yeah. it was, right? So there was a there was a lot there. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I'm I'm inclined, Matt, to to just close on all of those thoughts. Um, sure. But in fairness to to the 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 process, we always the ask process. our our guests, um, and Rodney always asks our guests.
1: I always ask <laughs> if you. <laughs> Oh, that's a that
0: was a cue. I get it. If
2: <laughs> staring off like, oh. <laughs> if
1: if there's one thing you would leave everybody listening with, what would that one thing be? Um.
2: Oh Lord. Uh, I don't know. I, I I hate answering these kinds of questions because I I just feel like you know. I know better than you. So go do this. And like, I, I don't, that just turns me off. Um, hmm. uh, what one thing would I leave you with? Um, Interesting. Oh, uh, that's hard. Cause I, I guess if, I, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. Um, just be a good person. Follow, follow whatever, you're passionate about do whatever you're passionate about work hard um be empathetic listen to other people um remember that everyone struggles and um you know you struggle and other people struggle uh and and that's okay um and just understand where people are coming from um and yeah and try to have conversations which uh you know is is really awesome about your podcast like just have a conversation with someone uh you know if you're one of the wacky lefty liberals go find a trump supporter and sit down and like you know buy him coffee at him or her buy him a beer like and and just talk um uh and and same you know with the right um and you know i think you'll find that we're all just people and we all suffer in our own unique ways and we express that in different ways and um, yeah, I think that would help a lot with the direction our country is going.